We have a lot to discuss this morning, Beth, but before we get started, uh, we'll ask everyone to listen to these important announcements. Welcome back to Counterbalance, a weekly radio show here on KZUM. We strive to produce a show that focuses on social, ethical, spiritual, and faith issues from a progressive Christian perspective. Topics will also include interreligious sharing, as well as science and faith. You know, we've probably all heard conservative Christian perspectives on other radio stations and on TV shows. What we want to do is to offer an alternative voice for KZUM listeners, an alternative, progressive perspective, which is also authentically Christian and which takes the Bible seriously, along with Christian tradition and current perspectives. We've named our new show Counterbalance because we seek to counterbalance more conservative Christian perspectives. I'm Richard Randolph, one of the co-hosts for Counterbalance, and of course, along with me is Beth Benhusen. Both Beth and I are pastors here uh, in Lincoln at Christ and Connection Point United Methodist Church, one church in two locations with two very different personalities, but a shared commitment to acting inclusively, seeking God, serving others, and doing justice. That's right. At Christ Connection Point, we strive to welcome and affirm and include all people, regardless of their ethnicity, economic class, gender, or sexual orientation, because we recognize that all people are created in the image of God and loved by God for who they are. For more information about our church, you can go to ChristUMCLINC.org or check out ConnectionPointLNK.org. That's right. Um in the studio, we're having an interesting morning. Uh, Beth is disassembling her microphone while we're on the air, uh, but we have it all fixed now. Um, we, uh, we're also very interested in hearing uh, questions and comments from our listeners during the show. Uh, there are several different ways to share your thoughts. You can uh, telephone us here uh, in the KZUM studios by calling 402 402- 474-5086, extension 1. Again, that's 402-474-5086, and uh, select extension 1. If you can out- also message us on Facebook. Um, just go to the Counterbalance KZUM page. And we also have a Twitter. Uh, you can tweet us at CB Radio KZUM. Joining us in studio this morning is Reverend Karen Lamb. Karen is the pastor at two churches here in the greater Lincoln area. She pastors Burr and Douglas United Methodist Churches, and she's also the owner and manager of a restaurant here in Lincoln, Lulu's on N Street. At her restaurant, Karen does something pretty dramatic. Um, She actually gives away free meals to the poor and not just leftovers, um, not just one option a day, um, but she offers them a a full menu of choices. Uh, Welcome to our show, Karen. Yeah, welcome to our show, Karen. Um, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about this, uh, about the the program and about the about the restaurant? Um, So just switch to the yellow. Yeah, we're just continuing to have mic problems today. Karen's going to switch mics here so we can actually hear what she has to tell us. And then we will learn a little bit more about Lulu's. Okay. All right. Now I can hear you, Karen. Okay. (laughs) Can you hear me now? Yes. 
Well, at Lulu's, we offer community meals is how we term our program. And those are available to homeless people, but also to the working poor or to anyone who's hungry, but just doesn't have enough money to buy a full meal. Mm -hmm. Because we believe that people deserve to have a good meal. That's that's great. Now you also have sort of regular or conventional cus- customers as well, correct? We do, we do. We just have um, certain hours mm-hmm. where the community meals are available. There's an hour and a half in the morning from nine to ten thirty, and then an hour in the afternoon from one thirty to two thirty. Okay, mm-hmm. but the rest of the time, <clears throat> I mean, even during those hours, anybody can walk up. Sure. Any paying customer can walk up yes. and get meals as well. Yes. For lunch and like breakfast items, right? Yes, we have breakfast all day. Okay. So mm-hmm. anything on the menu is available during those times. Wonderful. That's fantastic. So um, why did you decide to begin this program? And I'm sorry, um, you call the program... Community Meals. Community Meals, right. So what was there, an inspiration? Um I have to say, Karen, that's, I think that's for a restaurant owner, that's pretty out of the box. So uh, to say that you're just going to give away free food. That's right. In the middle of your regular hours. Well, yes. And any business owner would cringe at the idea that you were, (laughs) you had a business model where you were just giving things away. However, as a Christian, I felt it was important. I saw the need and I knew that I could it. Mm-hmm. So I tell people I've been preaching for 14 or 15 years. That, as a pastor. As a pastor. Mm-hmm. That I'm, say, I'm sure your kids would say you've been preaching for, for longer. longer. Than that. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, but I focus on justice issues mm-hmm. and I preach that we should love our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And part of that is providing for them out of our abundance. And we had the food, we had the ability to do it. And so we did. Mm -hmm. It was a leap of faith. It was a leap of faith and it grew out of your faith. Yes, absolutely. Um, So Karen, can you tell us um, a little bit more about where Lulu's is located and why the location is important um, to, to, to the, to the, to the way that Lulu's works. Sure, we are downtown. Um, longtime Lincoln people will recognize the Corn Popper. That is where we are located on the edge of the Foundation Garden, directly across the street from the Bennett Martin Library. Um, the location is important to this program because downtown has a large homeless population. Mm-hmm. And the um, Near South neighborhood, which is very close, right. um, is populated by a lot of working poor people. Mm-hmm. So we knew that we were in a position where people would be able to get to us. The people who need what we're doing could get to us so even the, without transportation. So location's really important to it for is. us. Mm-hmm. It Absolutely. is. And uh, can you just tell a little bit, maybe you were telling us this earlier while I was playing with the microphones, but... Um, when somebody comes up who can't afford to pay for a full meal, um, how does it work? Can you explain to us how it's, your, your system is different than like what we think of as a soup kitchen or something like that? It is. We, 
when we first started, we offered anything off the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, people could come up, they could order, just like a, a regular customer, right. if you will. Yeah. Uh, what we found, though, was that the need is so great mm-hmm. and the amount of people coming um, has really grown. Mm-hmm. We were not able to serve them quickly enough. Oh, okay. So now we've gone to three or four options during each, like during the morning we have mm-hmm. three or four options and then in the afternoon we have three or four different options. Okay. So people can still order what they would like from a limited menu. From a limit. And it's in, um, we had to do that to keep the people moving and also um, what we found is that because there was such a large number of people, mm-hmm. um, our neighbors were a little nervous mm. um, about the numbers of homeless that were gathering. Mm. So in order to recognize those concerns mm-hmm. and to respect everyone's needs and wishes, mm-hmm. uh, we changed a little bit and okay. it is working much better. Well, that's good. So can you give us some examples of what's on the menu that you might serve to Sure. A person. Um, in the morning, we always offer a breakfast burrito. That's probably our most popular mm-hmm. item. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do breakfast casseroles, breakfast sandwiches. Um, sometimes in the morning, we'll also offer a lunch option, recognizing that this is, for many people, their meal of the day. Okay. And then in the afternoon, we'll do um, some of our popular sandwiches off the menu, or I will do like beef pot pie, we'll have special casseroles, just things that people have asked for. Right. We try to do. Okay. Okay. That sounds wonderful. Um, so the this program, how long has it been going on? Um, in earnest since January. Since January. Prior okay. to that, we did a community meal program, but it ran strictly on a donation basis. So if we didn't have money donated, we didn't offer the meals. Okay. But that's not the case anymore, right? No. Now it's everybody that asks gets a meal. So you you mentioned that there was some nervousness about about what you were doing from neighbors um, that you've tried to be um, uh, sensitive to. How about the rest of the Lincoln community? Have have has the community supported you in this? Have you felt support or they really have? Um, when we first got some publicity about the program, it was I think early February. Uh, the community really stepped up and um, uh-huh. were very generous with us, and we we still wouldn't be doing it if it hadn't been for the generosity of the community, and we still. Um, people are still supporting us in in different ways. Sometimes it's... Uh, how, how do people support you? Well, monetarily, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but also they bring us items that we can use. We also do um, basic hygiene kits for people once a month. Okay. And that has been um, strictly donations. We have not funded that which is great. And we've probably since January given away, I'd say probably 250 hygiene wow. kits that have, again, so have been donated. So a hygiene kit is toothpaste and... The basics. The basics. Okay. Yes. Um, just what you might need. And in the summertime, we, we add sunscreen, we add some bug spray, things right. that people might need, but just don't have the money to buy. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's really important. So going going back to um, kind of some of the social dynamics at play um, on the corner there at Lulu's, um, can you just share with our listeners what you have have learned about the homeless population? Um, you know, as you work with them, and what like so often I think um, we we judge those people. We people are almost scared of them. Um, Tell us what, what your experience has been and I guess how would you respond to people who who are nervous about 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 that community of people who are our neighbors? Well, it's interesting because for under it all, we're all the same. Right. There are people too and I try to impress on the people that will ask or that are interested that we are one bad decision or one addiction or mm-hmm. one huge medical bill away from being in the same situation. Right. I am lucky because I have family support. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people we serve do not. Um, they maybe have alienated themselves from their families mm-hmm. through, again, their decisions or perhaps addictions. Um, a large percentage of the population we serve also may have some mental health issues that are not being treated. Mm-hmm. All of those things go together, um, I think, to isolate them. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we make a conscious effort to learn everyone's name. Which is so important. Because I think as a homeless person, no one wants to make eye contact with you. Mm-hmm. No one wants to engage you in conversation. Right. So we know their names. We ask them how they are. Um, many of them share their stories with us. It's to me, that's almost more important than providing the meal or it's as important for sure. Mm-hmm. It's life affor- affirming. Yes. Right. Yes. And I understand the nervousness of mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we're fearful of what we don't understand. Right. And I think if people would just take some time to come down and spend a little time during those hours when we're providing the meals, they would see that they're not so different Mm -hmm. from you and I. Uh, They just want to be noticed. They Mm -hmm. want to be treated like everyone else is treated. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and someone I was having conversation with not that long ago um, made the statement that homelessness is the new leprosy. Mm. We want to isolate. We don't want to touch. We don't want to be in contact with them. It's not catching. No, it's not (laughs) contagious. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And so that's going back to how this whole project grew out of your faith. Um, that's pretty poignant. I mean, because we read in the scripture and Christian scriptures about you know Jesus associating with and and healing and and working with the lepers who right. who nobody else would talk to or touch or or be around. Um, so that, that's an interesting observation that homelessness is is like the new leprosy and people are really afraid of it, but with without reason. Um, right. Right. We could say that if Jesus ministry. Physical ministry was today. He'd probably be hanging out at Lulu's. I think he might. Yeah. I'd like to think he would. He, <laughs> you know what? He is. 
is oh, yeah. spiritually. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, and you may have answered this already, but I, I'm just in working with homeless and with the working poor. Have you learned? What have you learned about your faith? About life? Just what, what, what have you learned in general? That's a deep question, Richard. <laughs> Thank you. I think. Um, actually, I have always been more of a, a doer as far as my faith is concerned. Right. Um, to me, if you profess to be a Christian, then that implies that you're going to do something about it. And Right. So, so Christianity is not a spectator sport. No, it is not. Right. Not. Yeah. If you if you believe, then you should be helping your neighbor. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure Jesus said, you know, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, care for the sick. I seem to recall recall that from reading yes. the Bible. Yes. Oh. Okay. So that's that's what I've learned that faith in action mm-hmm. is really what feeds me. Great. Well, that's a great observation. Um, Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Well, I think Karen has some other commitments this morning. (laughs) She's a busy lady besides serving food out of uh, the location in the old corn popper building. Uh, Karen also does some catering uh, for events and things. And so I imagine among other things, that's one thing that she has to rush off to today is a catering job. Um, So we're going to have to let her go. Uh, Thank you so much, Karen, for being with us this morning. Well, thank you for inviting me. Well, it's been great having you on the show and thank you so much for for coming to the studio. Well, we have to go to a break now, but when we come back, uh, Richard and I want to focus on the question of what it means to be a progressive Christian. And, and certainly we would uh, characterize the work that Karen is doing is is falling in line with progressive Christian values. Uh, you'll hear more about that after the break. Welcome back to Counterbalance Radio, a progressive Christian radio talk show hosted by Beth Midhusen and myself, Richard Randolph. Richard, during the break, um, we had a, a really good phone call, a good question uh, from one of our listeners. We just interviewed Karen Lamb, who uh, runs Lulu's on N Street downtown uh, and who who feeds the homeless. And our listener um, talked with me a little bit and posed the question um, or had the thought, it seems like some Christians um, don't care if the homeless just stay homeless because having a homeless population gives them people to, quote, help. Um, it gives people to, to come and sit in their pews. Um, and without, without people in need, um, there's kind of no pat on the back for them to give themselves for helping them. Um, and I thought that, and he said, um, you know, why don't we, you know, just give up on this Christianity thing, kind of, because some, some people can be so hard, uh, harsh, and obviously, you know, we disagree with the segment of the Christian population that would do that. Um, so why don't we just give up and join a secular group that wants to really end homelessness? Um, and, you know, why don't we, ins- you know, encourage our fellow Christians to get out and vote if they say that they care about homelessness? So I thought those were uh, good observations and, and questions. Um, and I think to answer that a little right, bit. they sure are. Yeah, mm-hmm. to answer that a little bit, I think... That the the that 
paradigm of we say we want to end homelessness and poverty. However, um, so much of what we do ceases to exist if homeless and homelessness and poverty truly end. Right. Um, that, that's a paradigm that I think about a lot and, and kind of struggle with. Um, and I think as, as Christians that, so if we're just doing mercy or just helping the doing homeless works of mercy, doing works mm-hmm. of mercy to, you know, those are the things like feeding the hungry, giving clothes away uh, to those who need them. Those acts of mercy, they help for now, but they keep the poor poor. Basically they make them depend. They make those in poverty dependent, make sure that if so, if I'm the wealthy churchgoer, that I have someone to help, I get to help and I feel good about it. Right. And that's a work of mercy. And we could just keep doing that forever. And then the poor will always be with us. Um, there will always be a homeless uh, issue. Um, however, I think as progressive Christians, we are really intentional about saying mercy is good and it helps people today, but we really need to be focusing on justice and justice is what ends those cycles of homelessness and poverty. And so I, I think this ties pretty well into our discussion of what it means to be a progressive Christian. Um, because I think as progressive Christians, we don't want to say that we, you know, just want to help the homeless today and keep giving them stuff or help the poor and keep giving them stuff. We want to, we want to do justice and get out and vote and encourage people to get out and vote and become involved in our political systems and our policymaking. Uh, and we want to truly end those cycles of, of homelessness and poverty and addiction. Um, and certainly there are secular organizations out there doing that, which we support and volunteer with um, and try to educate our church members about. Right. That's, that's, um, that's, uh, very well stated, uh, Beth. I think, um, I'm reminded of a parable, um, from, um, one of my, uh, former professors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a parable of the babies in the river, which I've shared with you before. Mm-hmm. And, um, so in this parable, um, we need to imagine ourselves, uh, going out, uh, on a beautiful, uh, spring or summer day, uh, for a picnic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all, you and I and Karen and all of our listeners go out uh, and we're picnicking on this beautiful grassy meadow um, beside a river. And we spread out our, our picnic blankets and, and get our, our baskets open. And we're having this this great picnic, uh, really enjoying nature and, 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 and the beauty of the day and uh, having great conversation. And there's laughter and we're just having a great time. When suddenly somebody looks over at the river and notices that there's a baby floating down the river and uh, she jumps up and she's very afraid for the baby and she rushes into the water and gets the baby and brings the baby back to safety and we, we put it on the on the blanket and we're drying it off and making sure it's okay and we start wondering, well, how did this baby get into the river? And as we're just beginning to talk about that, someone else looks back at the river and they notice there's another baby and so they go running into wading into the river and then they bring the baby back and now we have two babies on our blanket and then then we're really perplexed and just as we're trying to figure it out then somebody notices the third baby and we get the third baby and then the fourth and then the fifth and before we know it we have a whole bank blanket full of of babies mm-hmm. and we're trying to figure out where are these babies coming from because they could drown they could die mm-hmm. and uh someone says um well, maybe we should go up around the bend of the river to see how these babies are falling in the river. 
and somebody else says, no, no, we need to stay here and get the babies out of the river that have already fallen. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then the question is, well, who's right? Is is it more important to go around the, the bend to find out how the babies are falling in the river or to stay there and continue to... To, to rescue each to baby. rescue each baby. And, and it's really a trick question because the answer is, well, both are really important. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, this is a parable about, about how we help those who are poor and homeless and hungry. And um, so the work that Karen Lamb does through her restaurant is, uh, is getting the babies out of the river. It's, uh, we call it uh, works of, of mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, but going around the bend of the river is a work of, of justice and finding out how the babies are falling in the river in the first place. And trying to stop them, stop the system, to, the trying thing. Trying to make the changes in the, in the system, in the structure that, that causes the, the, the system, if you will, to lose track of babies and then they fall in the river. So that, that could be, um, you know, working for... Uh, to support legislation to help uh, for programs that are going to help the the poor, the homeless, the marginalized get get on their feet and um, be self sufficient and achieve mm-hmm. uh, a full human dignity. Um, I think I I totally agree with our listener that churches are really much better at the first at getting babies out of the river versus mm-hmm. going around and actually working for and doing justice. Doing justice. Um, they're both important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but too often churches, um, congregations feel really good and comfortable after a while. Um, Just we, doing mercy. Doing mercy. We sort of have our, you know, our team that, that works in the soup kitchen or that works in the food pantry. And uh, we get really comfortable and we do feel good about ourselves and we should. But that doesn't, that's not enough from a Christian perspective. We really need to be uh, really involved in working for justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fundamentally part of what it means to be a Christian, I believe. Um, and um, remember on earlier programs, we've defined justice as um, ensuring that everybody has the resources which they need in order to live a happy, flourishing life. And so obviously, if you're homeless, if you're hungry, uh, if you don't have a job um, and you want a job, uh, you know, all of these things are critical uh, in order to live a happy and, and, and flourishing life. And so um, I have to say that from my perspective, we live in a country um, that's um, where we have this gift of, of citizenship, uh, a democracy where we're invited to be a part of public policy uh, discussions and where we we can or should be able to influence policy and to work for for policy mm-hmm. and uh, so um, I think I'm going to make this statement in complete agreement with our caller um, I think that a lot of Christians are very poor stewards that uh, gift of, of their of that gift of citizenship which mm-hmm. we have as American Christians and uh, it's something that deeply troubles me about the church um, there are other organizations that are that are working to end poverty to uh, you know pr- provide um, uh, for those who are poor those who are hungry 
to to build homes, to uh, to save the environment, to, to uh, work on climate change. Um, they're secular organizations, or they're organizations from other religious groups, and I, I just see them all as partners. This is mm-hmm. the problems that we're talking about with hunger. Uh, I think it's twenty uh, percent of children in America are food insecure. Insec- mm-hmm. The threat of global climate change, of uh, violence, uh, bigotry. All of these are such big problems mm-hmm. that it's it's not a case of just Christians fixing this problem. Instead, we need to be in partnership with other groups. Yeah. And, and I really don't care, you know, in terms of my partners that we work with, whether you're Christian or Jewish or uh, Hindu or secular. I just don't care about that as long as we can work together to bring just, justice to the world. That's That's really the bottom line. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I would, so I think the critique, uh, our, you know, our listeners critique about how, you know, Christians like to do mercy and pat themselves on the back. And if we actually ended the, the problems, then we wouldn't have anything to pat ourselves on the back for. I think that same critique can be made um, to the nonprofit sector in general, whether they're religious or not. Um, you know, I've been in some situations where I've seen, you know, secular nonprofits gathered in a room congratulating themselves on some big new initiative. And um, sometimes it, it makes me kind of sick because I look at the people in the room and I think you could you could stop people from being hungry in the first place. You have mm-hmm. the resource, you know, you've raised a million dollars, but I know you have the ability to raise, you know, five million if you really wanted to make some sacrifices. Right. Um, you have the ability to really solve an issue um, instead of putting a Band-Aid on it. Um, and I think, so, so I think that's true of the secular world as well. Um, it's certainly not a perfect world that we live in, um, and we recognize that. Um, I think part of the reason, you know, our listener also said, um, you know, why, why stay Christian? You know, why have our, wag- our, our horse hitched to this wagon? And I think for me it's because um, with all of the flawed all of these flaws, um, Christianity at least offers hope uh, to me. Right. Um, and casts, it gives me a direction to go. I mean, I think that's what our scriptures do. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it casts a vision for me of what the world could be of what I could be working towards. Um, you know, when it comes to, when I look at the life of Christ and the way he, he lived. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then when I look at um, the, the promise, the promises of God and the scriptures uh, for, the, for a future where there is no, uh, you know, hunger or death or uh, suffering. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I stay, stay, stay in this because of the hope that there is. I, I totally agree with that. I think that one of the most important contributions my faith makes to me when thinking about these huge social issues is that it provides it provides hope, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the hope that we're not in this alone, just as a human species with all of our flaws and contradictions, mm-hmm. but that that God is with us and that, um, you know, and that, that, uh, that God is working with us and we are actually invited by God to be in this process of redeeming the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, that's, um, that's an important, it's an important, in terms of just having hope that we can eventually uh, rectify all of these uh, all of these issues, whether it's uh, hunger, um, 
or uh, climate change. Uh, climate change is really on my my mind today uh, for some reason. Uh, you know, last week uh, we had a great talk um, about uh, em- the immigration crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also an important issue we need to continue uh, to, to be involved in. And, and there's another example, another place where Christians can stand up for justice and say, Look, our, our religious teachings tell us that we're supposed to welcome the foreigner and to uh, actually uh, sh- share the, the wealth of our country with those who are, who are uh, the foreigners uh, or the Im- immigrants, a more contemporary term. Um, that's important, and we are not doing that. And there are Christians, we'll call them so-called Christians, who are actually taking the uh you know the the view uh, just a very harsh view uh shared by uh people in the administration about Im- immigration that um i thought find is completely contrary to christ's teachings mm-hmm. and uh it really wounds my heart uh when they describe themselves as christians because no they're not and they really are dragging down the christian the Christ, Christian ideals and Christian faith by misrepresenting what it is that Christ taught us to, to be and to do. Right. Absolutely. I, I had a, I follow somebody on Instagram. I was um, looking at yesterday and, and they were saying that exact same point. They were talking about people like, you know, Franklin Graham who were saying, you know, just the immigrants are, you know, the people coming through the Southern border are here illegally. And so we shouldn't help them. Um, and they were saying, you know, how can you say that as a Christian? How can Christians, and they use the word term Christians to describe all of us. And I'm like, well, hey, I identify as a Christian, but I don't identify with Franklin Graham at all. Right. Um, and so it, it's, I, you know, I think it's important for us to distinguish ourselves from from those groups of people who really don't share our values. Um, well, I think more, I think, um, my my personal opinion, uh, being in ministry for over thirty years now, is that perhaps a strategic error was to sort of for progressive Christians was to sort of pursue a big tent type of strategy, which is to say, well, we're all Christians together, but we really have some differences of opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think I think in retrospect, now we need to what we should have done and what we need to do now is to say, no, you may call yourself a Christian. You may have your own church, but what you're proclaiming is completely at odds with the Holy scriptures, Mm -hmm. with what Jesus taught us and, and with other teachings in the, in the, in, in, in the other parts of the Bible. And, and so instead of just saying, well, we sort of disagree. I, I think we ought to say, no, you really are representing my sacred text and Mm -hmm. to be, more assertive about that than perhaps we've been. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to spend a few minutes now, uh, Beth, just talking about a similar subject, and that is uh, what does it mean to be a progressive Christian? And um, we uh, are uh, working off of um, a website um, called um, progressivechristianity.org, and uh, Beth, they have um, on their on their website, um, they have um, um, what they call the eight points of progressive Christianity, 
We'll go uh, over those now. And I just want to let our readers know that, uh, our, our listeners know that um, after this show later today on our Facebook page, we will put down the, the web address for Progressive Christianity and also for Lulu's on End Street if you want to follow up uh, af- after the show. So uh, Progressive Christianity, the website, says that there are eight points for um eight points to being a progressive Christian. And uh, Beth, should I go through these and do we want to talk about each point or should I just summarize all eight points and then come back? What do you think? Um, Let's talk about them one by one, I think. Okay. So um, first of all, uh, the first point is believe that following the path and teachings of Jesus can lead to an awesome, uh, uh, sorry, to an awareness and experience of the sacred and the oneness and unity of all life. So, Beth, what do you think about that? Is, that, is, that, is that a point that you feel is part, should be part of the criteria for, for calling yourself a progressive Christian? I think so. Um, I certainly feel, obviously, that following the path and teachings of Jesus has to be in there if you're going to use the word Christian. Um, and I... I do believe that, you know, Jesus is one of the ways in which we experience the sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, thinking about Jesus leads me to think about, you know, God and the Holy Spirit, which helps me think about relationship and how we can be separate but uh, individuals, but but one in relationship, um, you know, having some unity. Um so, yeah, I think I would agree with that point. What about you, Richard? Absolutely. Um, I think that that's pretty essential. Um, I'm always, I always want to know what people mean by the oneness and unity of all life. <laughs> okay. But um, I, can, uh, I can accept that. I think that's something I agree with. Um, the, second, the second point is to affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Beth, what do you think about that? Well, um, I think, so the teachings of Jesus are part of our sacred text, um, the Bible. They're found in the New Testament. Um, and I think, yes, that is, those are one way to experience the sacredness and oneness of life. Um, but I, certainly I know that in my own faith journey, I, I uh, pull from diverse sources too, including other parts of our sacred text, uh, like the Old Testament, um, including, you know, wisdom from Buddhism and uh, Hinduism and um, Islam and, um, and secular teachers and you know, writers and researchers including science. So I could, with some... Yeah, it's sort of, for me, it's sort of, I'm not sure what, um, what, what they mean. I, when I first read this, I thought what they were trying to suggest was that, um, that they uh, were rejecting what's called the doctrine of particularity, which mm-hmm. says that the only way to be saved, the only way to, uh, to get to heaven is, to, uh, is through faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the, that therefore uh, invalidates all other relig- religions such as Judaism and Islam right. and, and and Hinduism and um, I um, I agree I agree with uh, this uh, I am uh, 
a firm opponent of the doctrine of particularity. I do think that there are other uh, ways um, to experience the divine mm-hmm. uh, and to uh, and that there are other teachings that are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of my big spiritual heroes, for example, is, is Gandhi. Mm-hmm. And uh, another is um, Dr. Martin Luther King. And I think it's, it's really interesting. Gandhi was a Hindu, um, but he studied the teachings of Jesus very, very uh, seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of the foundation uh, for the, his, um, his, uh, his uh, philosophy of nonviolence, mm-hmm. of peace and nonviolence is informed by the teachings of Jesus. Right. And then what's really interesting is that uh, when Dr. King was uh, a, a doctoral student at Boston um, University, he also studied Gandhi's teachings mm-hmm. and was very influenced by that. So what we have is a Hindu being influenced by the teachings of Jesus and then in turn influencing a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so I always thought that was pretty neat. But for me, the, um, uh, you know, I, I do agree that Christians can learn from the teachings of Gandhi and from Buddhism and from the Quran and, and from the Jewish Jewish teachings and, and from all uh, religions. But... Um, one of the things, problems I have with this uh, document is that uh, it never really talks about the Bible as a sacred source. It's always mm-hmm. the teachings of Jesus. Oh, yeah. And I think it's important uh, as a Christian to say, although the teachings of Jesus are central, mm-hmm. we also see the entire scripture as part of our canon, both the, the Hebrew scriptures and uh, the other parts of the New Testament, including the letters uh, so I think that's uh, that's a concern I would have about this particular definition of what mm-hmm. it means to be a progressive uh, Christian. Also, is as you mentioned, uh, I think it's imp- that we can learn from science, mm-hmm. that we need to, as per- persons of faith, that we need to take science very seriously uh, and, and to take not only what we can learn, but also... Uh, also where are the challenges, the intellectual challenges? I think we need to... Uh, embrace those challenges and to struggle with them rather than just trying to ignore them and pretend that they're not, not here. And um, as a Wesleyan, I believe, um, I accept the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which says that there are other ways in which God speaks to us, including through nature and through the experience, our experiences. Um, so I would want to expand that particular uh, point. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go ahead and read, read the third point? Yeah, so the the third point from this list of what it means to be a progressive Christian on progressivechristianity.org says that uh, we strive to seek community that is inclusive of all people, including but not limited to conventional Christians and questioning skeptics, believers and agnostics, women and men, those of all sexual orientations and gender identities, and those of all classes and abilities. Right. I pretty much agree with this. I think that we're called to be inclusive of all persons. And, yeah, um, absolutely. I think that falls in lines with the values that, in our, you know, in our communities. Right. Uh, yeah. At Christ Connection Point, one of our four pillars of discipleship is to act inclusively. Yeah. And um, so the fourth point uh, from uh, progressivechristianity.org is to know that, uh, know that the way we behave towards other Sorry, let me try that again. I got too excited here. Uh, I'm drinking too much coffee. 
know that the way we behave towards one another is the fullest expression of what we believe. Yeah, I think that um, is kind of exactly what Karen said when she was with us earlier, that, mm. you know, the way that she lives out her faith is by doing, not not just by, not by thinking, not by learning, um, not by praying. It's, it's by doing for her neighbors um, and that that's the fullest expression of her faith. Um, and I think I would agree with that, you know, um, mm-hmm. faith without works is dead, if you ask me. Um. Think or the, Paul. <laughs> the, the Bible says that. I think so. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, we talk about uh, right practice and right belief. Mm-hmm. And um, if you look at uh, the New Testament, the teachings of Jesus, when he gets down to talking about judgment in Matthew uh, 25, mm-hmm. it's all about right practice. Right, right action. Right action. So uh, the fifth uh, of these points is to find grace in the search for understanding and believe there is more value in questioning than in obsolete uh, absolutes. Um, what do you think about that, Beth? I think that's, um, I think the word grace is really important. Um, I would want to say that, you know, I hope for grace from others. I try to give myself grace as I search for understanding um, and I would say it's really, it's important too that, you know, I offer grace to those who I may not agree with at this moment. Um, you know, we were talking about... It means you frequently are offering me grace. Yes, I try, Richard. Um, <laughs> so, and sometimes that's hard. I think that's, that's one thing, maybe... Um, so I've been reading some things that, that talk about how, you know, the culture of the political left lately. And um, I, I've been reading some some thinkers who are saying that, you know, as Christianity is dying in the United States, a new almost religion of, of politics is rising. Um, you know, where instead of putting all of our hope in a redeeming God, as in Christianity, people are putting all of their hope in what they believe to be a redeeming political candidate. Um, and people who are, they're calling themselves, uh, you know, ex-evangelicals. I, I follow a bunch of them on Twitter. Um, they're saying as they get more and more into this culture of the political left, um, the, the more they see the same kinds of attitudes that they saw in the religious right, um, just about different things. So just as in the religious right, you might be ostracized for wrong belief um, in the political left, you might be, you know, you you all you can also be ostracized for for wrong belief, for not believing in a certain thing that everybody right. else agrees with. And in both scenarios, there's no grace, there's no forgiveness, mm-hmm. there's no room for disagreement, there's no um, room for messing up. Um, it's you know you're in or you're out. Um, for you know in the in the, the in the left, it's often called you know call out culture is something that people are talking about. Um, you know, where as soon as you mess up, Richard, I'm going to call you out and tell everybody they should basically blacklist you because you right. did one thing wrong. Um, and that's not, I don't find that very Christian. Right. Um, I think, so this, this idea of grace, and I, I would want to add forgiveness in there, um, I do think is important. And the idea that, you know, if you say something really dumb, you know, and say it as an absolute, um, mm-hmm. you know, offering you grace and trying to 
to to create a culture where questioning is the important thing rather than insisting on absolutes all the time mm-hmm. is something that I would want right. to work What if for. you did something really dumb 25 years ago yeah. or 40 years ago and it comes back? Uh, uh, people want to make an issue of it now despite what you've done in the intervening time. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, troubling. So, Beth, the next two uh, points from um, progressivechristianity.org, I think uh, are points that we can basically agree with. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd be uh, stunned if you didn't uh, agree with this. The first is uh, number six uh, in the total list is strive for peace and justice among all all people. Mm-hmm. And then number seven is strive to protect and restore the integrity of our earth. We don't, you don't have any problem with those, right? Uh, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> So then their final um, point is to commit to a path of lifelong learning, compassion, and selfless love. you have any problem with that? No. No, not <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we've, we've talked about this list. And overall, Beth, what, what would you say is this, does this list capture the criteria that you think are essential to be a progressive Christian? Or is there more that, I mean, a lot of these points we agree with or mm-hmm. we'll quibble with, but we basically, basically agree. Basically agree. But um, what what do you think? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like as you said, I basically agree with all of these. Uh, there's nothing in here. There's I like the talk about inclusion. Um, they, they talk a little bit about justice. I think I would take it one step further. And I, I think there needs to be something about liberation in here. Right. Um. I know, I think from our perspective, at least. Um, so the difference being that, um, you know, it, it's one thing to be included in somebody else's world or somebody else's culture, you know, invited to somebody else's table. Um, right. But to, have, to as a marginalized person, to be liberated from all that, from all that binds, from having to sit at somebody else's table instead of, um, you know, inviting others to your own. Um, I really think as progressive Christians, we need to work for the liberation of marginalized people, not just to include them in, in what we like, if that makes sense. It certainly does. I, I would add, um, it's uh, time to go, but I would add uh, a concern that I would have is um, the centrality of God's love mm-hmm. is not really mentioned in this. Um, but I'm afraid uh, that's all the time we have for today. I think we're going to need to come back and talk more about what it means to be a progressive Christian, especially since that's the way we describe our own, our radio own show. counterbalance yeah. radio show. But uh, today you've been listening to Counterbalance, uh, progressive, progressive Christian talk show hosted by Beth Minhusen and Richard Randolph. Uh, Beth, what, what's coming up next, uh, next Saturday? What's the show about? Um, next Saturday, I believe we're going to be talking about the nuances of international uh, or yeah, we'll say international missions or aid, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be a recorded episode because Richard and I will be in Puerto Rico putting roofs on houses um, that were destroyed uh, in the hurricane a couple of years ago. So we'll be interviewing uh, Dr. Uh, Reverend Ruben Alhorna, um, who is from Mexico. We'll be interviewing him about his view of, of international missions and, and aid and how we can responsibly see that and do that as progressive Christians. That's going to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, there's so much to that. Uh, so please listen to our, for our show next Saturday. Until then, have a great weekend.